Hello and welcome to the podcast What I Wish I Knew as an NQT with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as an NQT. I'll be talking to those new to teaching as well as those who've spent a lifetime educating children. And one thing you can be sure of, they will all have something interesting and informative to say on the art of being a great teacher. Plus, they will reveal the one thing they wish they knew as an NQT that made a real difference to their teaching and might make a real difference for you too. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking to Sandy Thornton. Although Sandy had a whole career before she started teaching in 2003, she's certainly made sure that every day has counted since she made the switch to education. After gaining QTS, her natural teaching ability was quickly recognised when she became part of the Fast Track Teacher Initiative. Then in 2010, she became an advanced skills teacher, which enabled her to use her outstanding teaching skills both in her own school and to support teachers in other schools. But she didn't stop there. In 2011, she became an assistant head teacher before completing the postgraduate certificate for primary math specialists. And then she became a specialist leader in education. Phew, I'm exhausted just reading about your amazing achievements, Sandy. And on top of that, she even found time to coach the Great Britain Junior and Senior Netball squads on a number of occasions for the Maccabiah Games in Israel. Sandy, welcome. Do you never get tired? Well, you made me feel tired reading that, but it's all these things that give you the energy. How fantastic it is to get yet another new experience. This is a first time for me being asked uh, to do a podcast and to do it with you and to discuss all the things that we're going to be discussing. I'm really excited. Yeah, that's great. What a great and, and, opportunity. Yeah, your excitement comes through, even through a Zoom screen, which is very tricky, but I know you're an expert at that too. And you clearly love teaching, and you obviously love being in the classroom. So what makes teaching so special for you? It has to be the kids, number yes. one, being in that classroom with children and seeing those magical moments when they light up when they've just learned to do something or even when they can't do something and they're working through it and really, really trying their hardest and then they suddenly realise that they can do it. They go from, I can't do this to, oh, I get it now and it's just such a wonderful experience to be part of that and the diversity of the job you know no two days are the same and the opportunities that you get through teaching and working with those children and it, it's just fantastic I just love it yeah I can see you're sort of it's bubbling out of you already so let's go back to your first memory not long ago for you long time ago for me but your first memory as a teacher was that first moment wonderful or worrying? Well, that first moment was both. It's that minute when you're thrilled and filled with fear at the same time, when the stabilisers are about to come off. Hey, and nice. I, I love that analogy. My stabilisers have come off. I know. I mean, it's just that wobbly moment, isn't it? It's just 
am I going to fall off or am I going to, you know, get on with it? And it was being in front of the class in a classroom because my NQT year was actually in the primary school that I went to. Wow. And that was the school that inspired me to be a teacher all those years, years and years and years ago. <laughs> and he looked so tiny. And when you go in as a teacher and suddenly you've got that sea of faces looking at you and I got my guitar out and we had a song and they joined in. And so I could breathe again. Well, what and was the song? You've got to tell us the song. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Um, with that's a few all we're going to get? Because I know you've had quite yeah. a singing career as well, haven't you? <laughs> I know we're here well, to, I have to teaching, but we could have talked about your singing career. Well, you know, singing started for me way back when I was at primary school, thanks to a, an amazingly inspiring person that just happens to be called Mrs. Crook. <laughs> um, and, you know, singing is something that I do love. And I have in a classroom, whenever there is a, a word or a name, I mean, when I'm getting through the register, the kids just, oh, no. Here she goes again, because every child's name sparks a song, you know. No, so I have does. to learn to control that because we're there to teach. Absolutely. But but that's part of being a great teacher, isn't it? Creating that climate where children love to be there. And, uh, and, and I remember a child once said to me, Mr. Crook, do you know a song for every situation? And I said, well, once you love music... Probably, yes, there is something that will trigger a song in your memory. And, and clearly that's the same for you. I was going to say songs are a great part of learning as well, though, because every lesson I teach has to have a song to go with it because it's so easy to learn through the words of a song. Mm. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, in terms of memory, Lots of us and lots of children are very good at remembering the words of a song, aren't they, and singing it to you. Yeah. Um, their favourite pop songs of the time. And and that's, of course, produced an awful lot of teaching materials that are based around music. And, yeah. uh, and I know a lot of teachers believe in using the arts to teach more academic subjects because the arts give you a way into children who, who otherwise might find subjects more difficult. But it's also a chance to rehearse that vocabulary and to build that vocabulary as well. You know, if it's the water cycle song, it might not be a pop song, but it could be the water cycle song and, and practising singing precipitation. You know, it's not a word that kids naturally use, but whatever it is, songs have to be part of my learning. So, Yeah, no, that's great. So, so you're always aiming to make children's experience of school memorable, um, and, and you've already illustrated that. So what was memorable in your first year for you and for the children? Uh, there were lots and lots of things, but I do remember um, having a, a special needs advisor coming into the classroom. And because of the inclusive teaching in the classroom, she struggled to find out which child it was. And it, oh, it nice. was just wonderful that, you know, having high expectations of all children and children rise to that expectation. And, I, you know, I, I have taught lots of different children with special needs, but having high expectations is so important. And it was just wonderful to hear that she struggled to, to spot the child and needed me to sort of point out the child, which was um, really good. 
But also in that year, I remember that we did the Egyptians as a topic. And luckily, being in Essex, we could go to places like London, unlike now when, well, in Suffolk, it's much more difficult to do. But we went off to London. Many of the children hadn't been to London before. Going to the British Museum and letting them see up close, you know, the, the things that the, the artefacts that they could see was just amazing. And then we went to the theatre and watched Joseph's amazing technical. Oh, nice. And I remember to this day, there was a little boy in my class called Jake who loved motorbikes. And Pharaoh rode onto the stage on a motorbike and his face, I can still see his face today. He was just, the excitement was uncontrollable. <laughs> and, you know, getting up and uh, singing, standing up and singing and dancing and clapping in the aisles, a whole class standing up and just enjoying that experience. It was just amazing to see and to experience and to have that opportunity and for them to have that opportunity and, and hopefully to give them something that maybe one day, having done that, it will inspire them to do something because of it. Yeah, and they'll, they'll remember that forever, won't they? He'll remember Well, I, I certainly know Jake will. Yeah, he will. He'll remember that motorbike. But but just when I think back to my school days, when we didn't tend to do things terribly exciting like we do now, but I remember going to the Essex show, and I can still vividly remember sitting on the bus and chatting to my mate Kev and, and talking about how much we were looking forward to going to the Essex show to look at tractors, um, you know, and, and, and these experiences do, they last with you a lifetime Absolutely. in the way that frontal adverbials don't. Um, I'm still trying to find someone who will talk to me about frontal adverbials, but I can't find anyone. Well, um, I'm sorry, it's not going to be me. <laughs> hurrah, hurrah for that. So, so, I mean, everything you've said, I'm guessing not much phases you. Um, but was there anything in that first year that made you uneasy or are you just very good at putting on a front? Well, I, I'm going to pick you up on that because that's a big misconception that nothing phases me because actually, you know, I'm nervous sitting here today. This is oh, a new experience. Not. Well, every new experience is an unknown and it's the unknown that phases us, that makes us nervous. But just because... It is the unknown. It doesn't mean you should, shouldn't do it. You know, you've, you've got to take the opportunities. You've got to take the experiences. And I think that in that first year, there were a few things. First of all, they were doing building work outside my classroom, <laughs> which actually meant that you had to compete on a daily basis with the diggers and the noise and everything else. But we just decided to do some onomatopoeia poetry and, nice. and build it in and we used the builders and we went round and, and used that so so we overcame some of that I have to say competing and your voice is something you need to look after and so that that, that was a, a learning curve on different ways to be able to use my voice and do things to be able to get the kids um, over and above that but the other thing that really sticks in um, my memory from that year is my second week of teaching we had an Ofsted inspection and in in those days there were four Ofsted inspectors who came for four days I think it yeah was. those were the days proper inspections 
complete waste of money, <laughs> but they were proper. And for me, you know, I was an NQT. I was used to being observed. I had six observations that week. That that was nothing new for me. And I think, great, bring it on. If you can get, tell me how to be better, I want you to tell me how to be yeah, better. Yeah, if only so they did. They don't, though, do they? I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a great anti-offset person, having been a head teacher in three schools and and seen... If you get a good one, if you get a good one, I did think a good one, one they're great, aren't they? My my very last inspection, I had the most wonderful lady who who could have been my grandma and the most knowledgeable baby-faced assassin, but crikey, she got it, and and she was a joy to have an inspection with. And some of the others, not so. Well, that's the thing. You should never forget what it's like to be a teacher. Mm. But what I do know from that and what I experienced, which was really hard, is the effect on everybody and the pressure in school over that time. You know, and these are people, you're good at your job. Get out and show them that Absolutely. you're good at your job. Yeah, that's so, that's so, so right. So all you people listening out there, when they come in, show them how brilliant you are because Absolutely. you're the expert. Never forget that. The inspector is not the expert. I once had an inspector who was head of a secondary school. I said, do you understand anything about primary schools? He said, I understand enough. I said, I'm not sure you do. <laughs> so the school got a very good report and and read between the lines, the head's an idiot. But hey, you can't, well, funny, you can't worry enough, about that, can you? When I first teached, started teaching in Suffolk, I was in... Um, a middle school, and I'd never come across middle schools in Essex, and uh, or, or a first school, actually, you were teaching up to year four. And we had a secondary teacher or secondary head coming in to do the Ofsted, and he'd never heard of first schools. Really? And he wanted to focus in on year six, and we didn't have a year six. Hey, nice. I was teaching year four, you know, I mean... It, it was a whole different ball game. I did yeah. think at one point I was destined to be an inspector because everywhere I went, Ofsted came. Yeah, no, that's it. It's uh, yeah, it's an unnecessary pressure which doesn't do an awful lot of good because most of our schools are really good schools and and we just don't need this onerous top down uh, sledgehammer approach to inspection, do we? So let's get off that. I'm going to do a podcast, I think, at some point on Ofsted. And just find all the people who are as sceptical as I am about the uh, the value of it, and we can have a round table. So I'll I'll let you know when that's happening, and you can join. Right, count me in. That's it. So I'm almost nervous to ask this question because I think we could be here for a while. But your greatest memories of teaching? What are they? Oh, well, there are so many. It's hard to actually them all into words but I think yeah we haven't got time to put them all into words because we've only got 20 minutes and we could be here for days if you put them all into words okay so the, the first things were it, I taught in a fresh start school in my second year and there were some children in that class who didn't like learning there was a particular boy in year six who I remember who was up until this point uh, a, a runner he he used to try and escape wherever he could and he could hardly read and write and by the end of the year he was just so enthusiastic about learning and he could read and it was just amazing to see that transformation so so that's that's one of the things that that school transforming you know, children is 
in a nutshell what it's all about, isn't it? It isn't Absolutely. about it isn't about sats or grammar or four rules. It's about transforming children so their lives are much better than if you hadn't taught them. Absolutely. And, and an opportunity that I had, we had some professional development from a lady called Jeanette Bassenwood. And if you haven't come across her, she's absolutely amazing. And everything, every time you have personal development, professional development, you should take something from it because otherwise, why are you on the course? Mm. And she's all about happiness. And so I organised in school a happiness festival. Nice. And... It was amazing because it was a concept. Everybody brought their tents in. We had a campfire. Um, it was a primary school. We had a campfire. We toasted marshmallows. Everybody pitched their tents. So we had our own sort of festival vibe. Every teacher did whatever made them happy. So the year six teacher set up the playground. He was a skateboarder and people could have their skateboards or bikes and he had a, um, a trail to go around for everybody. Another person did yoga. Somebody did big bubble making. We had big art. We had um, making all science experiments. We had um, the, the hall set up with all the apparatus because kids love the apparatus and how often does it come out? Mm. So all the apparatus was up in the hall. Um, it, it was just the most happy dressing up, all the kids dressing up, a dressing up box and, you know, prancing around in all the dressing up clothes. And I have to say that the higher up the school, the more they enjoyed the dressing up. In jelly, you name it, everybody could put their ideas, and it was such a hard concept to actually sell initially. But it then it became an annual event, and it was all down to Jeanette Bass and Wood, and it was just the best day ever, and just a memorable moment. Yeah, um, and so good that the following year, you know, to try and persuade people, well, what, well, what does it look like? Because it was the unknown, and it was this situation that you get. It does phase you. And for me, it was, I just hope it works. And I knew it would work. But yeah, if you're, if you're focusing on happiness, you can't go wrong, can you? And, no. and And we need to be doing that a bit more because we've and now got the most stressed children possibly in the world with the education system where we're, we're trying to process them like a, like a factory. And uh, and if we can focus on happiness, we're going to make such a difference to this these children. Not that not that academic standards aren't important, because of course they're critically important. But there's a way to do it that produces very balanced, confident children, and there's a way to do it that produces anxious children. And I don't know we get the balance right all the time. Certainly from the government side. No, and 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 that's something I've learned through my career is the importance of getting all that um, social and all those skills and the happiness side because that will increase the academic results. 100%. And that will in increase the attendance. And there's so much research out there to back that up. So it, it's just so important that you get that balance in your classroom and yeah. that you build all that up. So. You're going to give us the one thing now. You've, you've given us a hundred things today. That well, we could... I've only just got started. I know. That's what I'm worried about. Here I am, a nervous NQT. 
trying my best to master these this highly complex range of skills. And I say, Sandy, Sandy, come on, give us the one thing that that will really help me as I'm an NQT. What are you going to tell me? Don't forget what it's like to be a learner because learning is hard and you've got to remember what it's never stop learning is what I'd say as a teacher because you're always learning but in that as well don't forget what it's like for the children sitting in your classroom real learning is hard if it's not hard then it's not real learning well so you said that earlier didn't you high expectations yeah I mean make it tough enough that it's worth doing Absolutely. And and you've got to remember what what it feels like yourself, how uncomfortable it feels, how hard it is, how you've got to work through that to get the end product. It's not an instant thing. It takes time. Real learning takes time. And you've got to get all those supportive things in, in place, the relationships with the children. They've got to feel safe and secure. And they've got to know that it's okay to, to make mistakes yeah. because mistakes are part of learning. And you know, a key and part. if you've never made a mistake, then... You've never learned learn anything, anything or you've learned incredibly slowly. And we or, want to... you know, you've had your best learning because you have made a mistake. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Sandy, what can I say? Inspiring. I knew it would be. I knew that you'd, you'd have so many things to say, and I know you've still got a thousand other things to say, a thousand plus. And if anyone listening wants to know why teaching is such a wonderful job and why so many of us love it, you've given us so many reasons. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. It has been fascinating. So what now? What's the one small thing that you will do that will make a difference to your teaching and a difference to the success of your pupils? I think it was Robert Louis Stevenson who said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. And Sandy has given us so many seeds. We've got a sack full of seeds that could produce a rich harvest in the future. But which one are you going to act on today? Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please leave a review and share it with your friends. I love getting feedback and I'm very keen to know what you'd like us to discuss in future podcasts and how we can improve what we are doing. We'll keep you updated on what's to come and more on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to being with you next time for another fascinating educational chat. Until then, thank you, Sandy. It's been great. And I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT.